0: You're listening to audio from Crossroads Community Church, located in Fogelsville, Pennsylvania. If you want to learn more about C3 and what it is about, you can visit us at c3lehigh.com. And now, for today's sermon. Uh, Hey, as always, if you would turn uh, with me to Romans chapter 16, that's Romans chapter 16 that we're going to be spending a majority of our uh, time together in this morning. Um just a reminder that there is mature content. And if you're new with us or jump into this series and you're like, why is there mature content in church? Because anytime that we give the historical background to Rome, there's mature content included because the depravity of Rome is just almost almost astonishing. And so that's why we say mature content and we encourage parents to check their kids into our awesome kids ministry downstairs, which by the way, how many of you have seen the walls going downstairs into the kids ministry? Is that not awesome? Can we give it up for our volunteer painters? incredible job. Also just a reminder that we have water baptism signups that are now live on the Church Center app. So if you're looking for to join us for our water baptism and worship service this August, there's more information located on the Church Center app as well as information in regards to prerequisite classes that of course are required in order to be water baptized. Also this fall, everybody say this fall. This fall. You know that fall's coming you know that fall is God's season, right? It's extra anointed, and not just for bow season. I mean, it's just all around incredible. But hey, uh, fall is coming, and this fall we're going to be offering a homeschool co-op here at the church, just an opportunity for students in Christ to get together. And so there'll be more information provided in the near future as to what that looks like. And I also want to throw out there that we have some opportunities, some serving opportunities that we're looking for uh, volunteers to join us on Wednesday nights, coming this fall through winter for our Royal Rangers and Girls' ministry. World Rangers is our boys ministry program. Then we have our girls ministry program that meets here on Wednesday nights. And I love it. I'm so proud of our Wednesday night programs because it's a safe place for boys to be boys and girls to be girls and grow in Christ, which is just so necessary in today's time. Amen, church? And so I want to challenge you to get plugged in, invest into a student's life. And maybe it's just the youth pastor heart uh, coming out in me, but I believe that God has his hand on this upcoming generation. Contrary to the dialogue and what you may hear on popular news media outlets, can I just say that like you cannot convince me that this upcoming generation isn't passionate. Now, yeah, we might disagree with where some of those passions are spent, but the point is, is that they're passionate, and when God gets a hold of a passionate person... Come on, somebody. When God gets a hold of somebody who's teachable and wants to be used for his purpose, what he does with that passion and how he instills his way in that person is just incredible. And my point is this. If God is working in the upcoming generation, I want to be a part of what he's doing. Amen, church? And so I want to challenge you, if you said amen to that, you might as well sign up right here and right now. Uh, Royal Rangers and girls' ministry leaders, we're we're in dire need of them, so be sure to see me after the service for more details as to how you can serve. Are you ready for the word this morning? Today we're concluding our series, Living as Christians in a Roman World, and everybody said, ah, one, two, three, I know. I know. So we're concluding our series, Living as Christians in a Roman World, and I couldn't think of any better way than to end this series kind of the same way that Paul did. In Romans chapter 16, this is the final chapter in his letter to the church in Rome. And just a reminder that as we go through this chapter, we're going to be taking our points from Scripture. Typically, I enjoy uh, preaching what's called topical. It means that we pick a topic and then we're all over God's Word, just kind of proving the point how Old Testament, New Testament comes together and still applies to our lives today. Can I hear a good amen? And normally that's the route that I'd like to go, but today we're going expository, meaning that we're going with a, a, a certain portion of Scripture, and we're taking our points from that passage. That's how we're going to be spending our time this morning. So Romans chapter 16, right from the beginning, verses 1 through 2. Very simple. Sixteen, Romans 16, verses 1 through 2. Paul speaking, I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a deacon of the church in Centuria, I ask that you receive her in the Lord in a way worthy of His people, and to give her any help that she may need from you, for she has been the benefactor of many people, including me. Hit the pause button. For many, this may seem like an insignificant portion of Scripture. At face value, we look at this scripture and we say, okay, God's just kind of saying, hey, there's this girl Phoebe, she's nice, she's awesome, she's helped me, and leave it at that. But something that you and I must consider, as we have been considering this fact that I'm about to get to over the past couple weeks, is the time and place of this writing. You have to understand that in Rome, during this time, women were viewed as less than. Women were viewed as less than second-class citizens. For example, a woman could not divorce. But if a man wanted to get divorced, it was his right to. But women, that choice was not in their hands. Often when a woman became pregnant, families and people around her would hope for the child to be a boy. Now, please, I understand that we live in a day and age with, I love these parties. They're called gender reveal parties. Are you familiar with them? And I remember, you know, my wife and I, for for our daughters, we had to do something called redneckery. And redneckery is when you add some redneck tendencies to an event, and we just had to do it. So I remember the balloon was filled with confetti. We didn't know if it was blue representing a boy or pink representing a girl, but we had a shop. We gave them an envelope from the doctor, and they filled this uh, balloon, I didn't know at the time, with pink confetti. And I remember we did the righteous thing, and we took a shotgun and blew up the balloon. Pink confetti went everywhere. You see, some people do the little party poppers. That's not big enough. And I remember sitting there and praying, God, don't let me embarrass myself. This is a shotgun. How can you miss? And I remember we celebrated that. I, I, growing up, I always pictured myself as a boy dad. And now that I have two beautiful daughters, I can't imagine my life in any other way. I can't imagine my man cave being filled with princess stuff think about that. I love it. But during this time, that was not the case. If somebody birthed, if a woman birthed a female, a little girl, they were viewed as almost cursed. Girls were viewed as nothing more than a financial burden to one's future. Boys were viewed as contributors to one's household in the future. And the view of females being a burden was so common that males actually had a better chance at survival. Now, what do I mean by that? I mean, after a child was born, if it was a girl, it was a common practice for the Roman women to take this child at the request of their husbands, take this child to the public dump and leave it there. And either the child would die by the elements or predators. And if that did not take the child's life, you could almost guarantee that somebody would pass by and take that baby girl and her future would be prostitution or slavery. That's the kind of culture that we're talking about. Now, why bring this up? Because I want you to understand how drastically different the word of God is. Paul brings this message. Maybe it will help us understand. When Paul says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loves the church. Maybe it'll help us understand how earth-shattering, how groundbreaking that was to a Roman culture who said, you want me to lay my life down? And Paul says, yes, maybe it'll help us understand how drastically the word of God is when Paul presents this gospel and the first witnesses of Christ's resurrection were women. Maybe it'll help us understand that throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament, God divinely calls women to ministry. Can I hear an amen this morning? Husbands, if you didn't say amen, your wife has a right to slap you in this moment. I'll look away. (laughs) The word of God is so drastically different. My point in this church is the word of God has always been drastically different than culture. And now is not the time where we as Christians need to shy away from that reality. We need to embrace it and move forward. Amen? Amen. You'll notice that Paul, in the midst of talking about how God divinely calls women to equality and He divinely calls and appoints women to ministry, you'll notice that Paul calls Phoebe a deacon. The Greek word here is the female version of deacon. Paul says deaconess. The word deacon refers here to a Christian designated to serve with as, with, or as an overseer, elders of the church in a variety of ways. Paul's point is that Phoebe is a servant of the church set apart for special ministry. We therefore know that she's a benefit to the body of Christ, that she functioned within the context of ministry. And Paul says on a personal note, he says, she's ministered and blessed my life and my calling. My point this morning is this, women are vital to the body of Christ and in the ministry of the church. Yeah, husbands, you weren't about to make that mistake twice. Amen! I'm louder than him! (laughs) Women are vital, imperative to the body of Christ. Why bring this up? Because we're living in a day and age where the church is continually accused of believing in a doctrine that is anti-women, that is sexist. And friends, the amount of evidence that we have proves overwhelmingly that that is just not true. Furthermore, ladies, you have a vital role in the body of Christ that men cannot fill. God created us drastically different, but beautifully in a complementary way. There are things that men can do that women simply cannot. And there are things that women can do that men simply cannot. And in that beautiful way, God calls us both to ministry. It may look a little bit different, but God calls us all to ministry. Amen, church? And notice how Paul says to greet Phoebe. He says, I commend to you our sister, Phoebe. Was she his literal sister? Shout it out if you know it. Don't get quiet on me. No. A term of endearment. He says, greet our sister, Phoebe, a deacon in the church of Centuria. I ask that you receive her and the Lord in a worthy way, worthy of his people to give her any help that she may need from you. It's safe to assume that the church does not know her, and Paul is encouraging this church that has not met her yet to embrace her like a sister. Friends, the point is this, and a lesson that we can learn from Paul's writing here, may we always be a church that is welcoming and hospitable to outsiders. You don't, need to earn our, you don't need to prove yourself before you earn our love. Our love is freely given to the outsider. Can I hear an amen this morning? Amen. Paul is saying our sister, as he looks at Phoebe as somebody that he's related to, may we view one another with that kind of closeness. Church, let's always strive to continue to be a place of welcoming hospitality where we welcome those that we don't know in a manner worthy of the title Christian. I believe that this is a strong point, a strong component of the ministry here at See Through, which I'm going to talk about here in a moment. But my point is this, is let's never take this for granted. Amen? Paul had the credentials to tell this church that he was writing to to be welcoming and hospitable. Why do I say that he had the credentials to give such direction? Because Paul was a relationship-driven church leader. Throughout all of his letters, throughout all of his epistles, you can just tell that Paul connects with people in a deep and intimate way. Have you ever met somebody like that? No matter where you take them, they just get along with whoever's there. Don't they make you sick? Right? Like no matter where you take these people, like you leave the room and you come back in and everybody's talking to them and can I just say like that's my wife. I swear that my family loves her more than they love me. At every family gathering, I, I I go to one room. I walk back in, and everybody's gathered around her, and she just has that gift. Have you ever met people like that, where they're just comfortable in environments that are unfamiliar to us? I like to picture Paul like that, because Paul has so many relationships and so many friendships that he had to have people skills. He had to have that ability to be able to connect with people in a deeper manner. Let's discuss this a little more. Romans chapter 16, verses 3 now through 16. Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my co-workers in Christ Jesus. They risked their lives for me. Not only I, but all the churches of the Gentiles are grateful to them. Greet also the church that meets at their house. Greet my dear friend, Epinitus who was the first convert to Christ in the province of Asia, greet Mary, who worked very hard for you. Greet Andronicus and Junia, my fellow Jews who have been in prison with me. Can I just say that that's awesome? That Paul is like, oh, hey, by the way, we shared a cell. (laughs) They are outstanding among the apostles, and they were in Christ before I was. Greet Implitus, my dear friend in the Lord. Greet Urbanus, our co-worker in Christ, and my dear friend Stasius. Greet Apellas, my uh, whose fidelity to Christ has stood the test. Greet those who belong to the household of Aristobulus. Yeah, I say that ten times fast. Greet Herodian, my fellow Jew. Greet those in the household of Narcissus who are in the Lord. Greet Tryphena and Tryphosa, the women, those women who took the hard work in the Lord. Greet my dear friend Persis, another woman who has worked very hard in the Lord. Greet Rufus, stop. Anybody's name, whose name is Rufus, they are an awesome person. And I will look for any and every excuse to greet somebody named Rufus. We don't even necessarily have to be that close. And you can guarantee that when I find out your name is Rufus, if I see you in Walmart, you're going to hear some pastor going, Rufus! <laughs> Just saying, for those of you who may be considering having more children, Rufus is a great name. Chosen in the Lord and his mother, who has been a mother to me. Greet Syncritus, Phlegon, Hermes, Petrobus, Hermas, and our other brothers and sisters with them. Greet Philegalus, Julia, Neris, and his sister Olympus, and all of the Lord's people who are with them. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the churches of Christ send greetings. Now hit the pause button real quick before you try kissing anybody here please understand that you'll probably be met with physical force if you try that. Secondly, we have to understand that during this time, you greeted those who you knew intimately, almost like family with a kiss on the cheeks. Paul is saying embrace these people like that. But notice that throughout this this chapter full of beautiful names, Notice that Paul doesn't just list people that he doesn't know. He doesn't just list names that don't mean anything to him. Paul knows these people. He knows about them. He knows the work that they've done. And he says, I have experience coming alongside of them and their labor and work. He knows their families. He knows where they've come from and who their siblings are and what churches they're a part of. Notice the terms of endearment throughout this entire letter. My brother, my sister, and then of one lady, he says, she's a mom, but she's been like a mother to me. Paul knows this community intimately. He is connected to this body of Christ. And my point is this, Scripture's point is this, Paul was a friend maker and not just a soul winner. Paul was a friend maker and not just a soul winner. You see, growing up in church as a pastor's kid, I've been around long enough to know that there are some Christians who have this unbiblical belief where they look down on fellowship events and they look down on connection opportunities as if, hey, pastor, that should be a Bible study. There's no time to get to know one another. Growing up in ministry, I've met Christians that put down fellowship events with the unbiblical belief that there's no spiritual value to them. I've met individuals who carry this persona as if they are spiritually above connecting with people. And I want to say that according to the Word of God and the evidence of the relationships formed between the disciples and Jesus... And hear Paul in the church that those that feel that there's no value to building relationships or little to no value to gathering together for the sake of gathering together are, putting it blatantly, wrong and unbiblical. Amen, church? My challenge is this be like Jesus, be like Paul. Yes. Preach the word. The scripture is so blunt about that. Preach the word. Yes, be a witness, but also don't see people as means to an end. Build relationships. Build friendships. Get to know one another intimately. There's a reason why Paul is referring to this list of people as his brothers and sisters in Christ. And it's because he had a relationship with all of them that went that deep. Notice the characteristics of these relationships as well. These aren't superficial relationships. These are the people on his list. These are people that are dedicated, they're trustworthy, they stand by you in trials. Paul says, again, I've shared a prison cell with this individual. They're hardworking. Paul says of one mother, she's been like a mother to me. Church, this is a beautiful picture of the kind of people that we should be the kind of characteristics that you and I should have towards one another. May we be to one another like these people on this list are to Paul. May we be like to one another like these people on this list are to Paul. Seeing each other as family, loving one another, not just knowing each other's names and passing by on a Sunday morning. Can I hear a good amen? But truly knowing one another, loving one another. And I got to be honest, can I brag on C3 this morning? Is that okay? I don't feel like I need to preach on this too much. We like like each other. (laughs) I feel like this is us. And so today, I'm preaching from a preventative stance rather than a restoration one. Meaning that this isn't a problem that we have that we're trying to restore ourselves from, but we must prevent ourselves from ever losing this. It's a quality, it's a characteristic of C3 church. On Sunday mornings, can I continue? Is it okay if I brag and continue to brag? Please understand, I'm just bragging on what God is doing. On on Sunday mornings, I love the fact that you don't leave That I stay up here and I'm always trying to make myself available on Sunday mornings. And as I look around and as I wait and talk with people, I look around the room and there's groups forming and people are talking. And it's like, you really like each other. And then once the building is closed, because you guys apparently have a sense of humor, you move out into parking lot small groups. And I walk out into the parking lot after a Sunday morning, after meeting with the board downstairs and just checking in, and I'm, I'm walking outside in the parking lot, and there's all these little groups forming around cars, and I'm thinking either they really like each other, or there's about to be a fight. <laughs> and since nobody has reported fights, I can only assume the latter, or the, excuse me, the former but we really like each other. And I love on Sunday mornings having to look back at the digital media team and I'm waiting to give them the cue to start the announcement video, but I have to wait. It's worth waiting for. Because our church is just talking and likes each other. And I want to throw out a word of caution that if if your pattern on Sunday mornings is to show up to church Maybe you come in late because it's been a hectic morning, and then as soon as the last amen is said, it's time to go to lunch. You're missing a huge part of what God has for you. You're missing a connection component. There's no such thing as lone wolf Christianity. You're missing it because I know that it's here. I've loved over the past couple weeks on Wednesday nights, I just felt the Lord leading me to take Wednesday nights, and rather than doing another study or study throughout uh, the summertime, to just kind of hit the pause button and host fellowship nights where we have bonfires going and and the Gaga Pit. How many of you have seen the Gaga Pit Ball? Are you familiar? Okay. If you're not familiar with Gaga Ball, Google it. It's violent, but it's awesome. Your kids will love it. And so there's the Gaga Pit. Can we just give it up for Dennis Udicious for putting that in? Just doing a great job. But there's families everywhere and kids running everywhere and hot dogs being roasted and there's volleyball games going on. And it's just an awesome night to be in church. And I just felt like the Lord was leading us into this place because um, we have two different services. And it's an opportunity during the summers for people who might attend a different service to come together and get to know one another. And there's just this fellowship that goes on and on. And it's just a beautiful picture, I believe, of what what the body of Christ is called to be. In church, build friendships, build relationships, even though I'm pretty sure I lost some friends this past Wednesday night at a volleyball game. (laughs) I'm sorry. I get a little bit how you say competitive. And this past Wednesday night, we had some beginners on our team, and God bless them, and I was, I was with them, and I had to go and apologize to them after the night. I said, if you require any counseling because of anything that I've said, I'm sorry. And I love the one girl's response. She said, I've got other issues. You're not one of them. And I'm like, all right, just making sure. Paul discusses all of these people that are the light of Christ. But then Paul gives warning about darkness. And to some, before we get into this next portion of Romans chapter 16, to some, this may seem kind of abrupt. It's it's one of those thoughts where you're like, Paul, where are you going? You just told us to be welcoming and welcome outsiders and now in this next portion of scripture he's saying but be careful and he's warning us of false teachers and it's it's kind of like you're you're sitting there going paul like I don't see how these two things are related but let me put it in context for you every father every husband knows your role in protecting your household there's something in fathers and husbands, where you understand that that noise in the middle of the night, you're not going to lean over, I'm not going to lean over and go, Kylie, get him, girl. (laughs) I understand that me and my friend Glock are going to take a walk. I understand that that's, that's a part of God's calling, if you will, on men. And that's what a good shepherd does. A good shepherd protects the flock. Are we in agreement over that? And so Paul is talking about this flock. He's saying, I've noticed that you're walking in unity. And he lists out these people. He says, they're like brothers and sisters. And there's all these incredible things. And Paul will finish out the letter in a moment saying, I'm so happy for you. But before he gets there, Paul offers, it's just flat out wisdom where he says, but but please understand that not everybody that you welcome in has godly intent. And Paul warns us, and let's get to that. Romans chapter 16, verses 17 through 19 now. I urge you, brothers and sisters, to watch out for those who cause divisions and put obstacles in your way that are contrary to the teaching that you have learned. Keep away from them. For such people are not serving our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. By smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the minds of naive people. Everyone has heard about your obedience, so I rejoice because of you. But I want you to be wise about what is good and innocent and about what is evil. Paul says, Yes, welcome people in, love them, but he warns us, look out for those who cause divisions, who put obstacles in your way, who are blatantly not from God. You know that there were some people that tested our Lord Jesus' patience, and they were called Pharisees. They knew the truth. They did not know the truth. Did you you catch that? They knew the truth. They had no interest of receiving the truth. Their primary concern was instituting their policies, their ways, their laws. And Paul says, "I want you to be aware of false teachers." Paul understands something about movements of God. That any time there is a work of God, there is going to be a counterwork of Satan. Anytime there's a work of God in your life, you can guarantee that there is going to be a counterwork. And can I be a little bit candid with you this morning? Can I share a little bit of, of, of a pastor's heart with you? Is that okay, church? There are some Sundays when I am terrified to preach. I'm afraid to preach the word that God has, has laid on my heart because here's my concern. I'm concerned that it's a prophetic word. And there's been different times where I've preached a word about challenges that we face in life and having to rely on God. And three days after that, what ends up happening is sickness hits my household and I get phone calls of family members that have been diagnosed with cancer. And there's different times where we preach messages from this platform, and I'm concerned that it's prophetic. And so this morning, I have a little bit of that concern. Just a little bit of my heart is saying, God, may this not be so. But church, you can understand something. I want us to understand something, that God is moving in this place. There is a unique work of God happening here, that he's moving. So here's the prophetic word. Satan's going to counter put your armor on. God's given you armor and a weapon for a reason, and it's not to look good on the mantle. Can I hear an amen? Anytime that there's a move of God, Satan is going to try and counter that. Don't go for the bait. And in this moment, Paul kind of has that heart He recognizes there's a move of God among these people, among these churches, among these brothers and sisters in Christ. He says, I see what you're doing, and it's excellent, but please understand that Satan is going to come at you now because you're a target. Paul warns against divisive, false teachers with the understanding that Satan is seeking opportunities to divide the unity that God has brought. And one temptation that Christians are faced with when encountering false teachers, and Paul says it, he says, those that are naive, what does naive look like whenever the church is faced with a false teacher? It looks like this. The temptation when faced when encountering false teachers is for Christians to think that they are sincere Christians who are simply offering a slightly different variation of the gospel. Perhaps they are offering a better understanding of some parts of the gospel. And Paul rejects this perspective completely. Paul does not go down the path of naive saying, well, their heart means well. They have good intentions. Paul rejects this, and he says these are false teachers that the only thing that they have in mind is their own gain. They in no way serve Christ. Instead, they serve themselves. Here are a few signs of false teachers as defined in Romans chapter 16. Paul says that they are divisive that they don't bring unity to the conversation, that the only thing that comes out of them is division, that they put obstacles in your way. How can an obstacle be defined? It's kind of like this. They make it more difficult for you to serve Jesus. They make it more difficult for you to follow in obedience according to God's will. Signs of false teachers, they preach a message that is contrary to the word of God. And I know that that seems like so, you know, pastor, that's common sense. We have so many churches and denominations out there that we pray for, but they are redefining what sin is. And there are hundreds, if not thousands upon thousands of people that are following these false teachers under the belief that it's just a different variation It's just a different perspective, pastor. And Paul says it's unbiblical and it leads us away from God. Signs of false teachers, they're selfish. Everything becomes about them, what they have to say, what they want. They, 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 me, me, me. And signs of a false teacher, Paul says that they're smooth talkers. That is alarming. It means that they know how to get you to have an emotional response and not a biblical one. They know how to get you to feel things. Can I challenge us, church? May we not be emotionally led. May we be led by the Holy Spirit. May we not be emotionally led. May we be led by God's Word. And if it impacts, if you're going to give God glory, give it with all your might. Come on. And if there's an emotional effect after that, then so be it, because we recognize God gave us emotions for a reason. But let us keep our emotions in check and not the other way around, allowing our emotions to lead us. Paul warns that the problem with false teachers, what's the problem with them? Paul warns us that they're effective. He says, I want you to be warned by this because they're effective, and specifically, they're effective towards those who are new to Christ. Because those who are new to their salvation in Christ, they haven't been around biblical doctrine long enough to understand what authentic biblical doctrine is and what the counterfeit looks like. And so they're easily led astray, led away from biblical doctrine. And in other writings, Paul says, guard your life and doctrine for they determine the course of your life and ultimately your eternity. Meaning you and I can believe in a false doctrine and it leads us to hell. This is no small thing. Can we agree on that? This is no small thing. And what is Paul's advice? How do we handle false teachers? How do we handle unbiblical doctrine? How do we handle people who are divisive? Simply put, Paul says it keep away. Keep away. What does that look like? Don't engage with them, don't respond to them on social media. Don't take the clickbait. Don't go to other people seeking wisdom when it's really a way to talk about the person. Maintain unity. Church, can I challenge us this morning with a biblical principle? If Satan never tries to disrupt the unity that is in this church, it's, it so easily happens. All it takes is somebody making a comment to you that they didn't mean harshly, but because we were having a bad day, we took it harshly. Have you ever been there? Can I get a witness this morning? We're like, you said it nicely, but I heard, Arr! because I was just in that mood. And what ends up happening is Satan takes that little interaction, and it festers in our spirits and in our hearts, and soon bitterness starts to just grow in us to where we just become miserable people. And we're not trusting others. And then, like I said, we're going to others for wisdom, aka, I'm just going to you so that you can tell me I'm right in being offended by that person. And what we ultimately end up doing is we don't do the biblical thing, which is so, just as simple as keep away, go to them. Go to them. If there's ever any disunity in your relationships in your life, can I challenge us this morning with a biblical principle of simply going to that person in seeking unity, not seeking, I'm right, you're wrong, but simply seeking unity. And that's how you and I keep the devil away from disrupting what God is doing. Don't engage with them. Don't allow them influence in your community. Don't respond to them. Turn off the news. Don't give that outlet space in your life. Don't give that narrative space in your heart. But how do we recognize divisiveness or false teachers if we have any hope to stay away from them? Paul says this, judge the conduct of man by the standard of God's truth. Worship team, would you come? Paul says, judge the conduct of man by the standard of God's truth. Moms, dads, if you have any hope to keep your kids separated from this world, you need to be in God's truth. I want to put it so bluntly this morning because scripture's blunt and I appreciate that. If you are not in the Word of God, you are going to be led astray. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. If you're not in the Word of God, studying His Word, understanding who He is and who He's called us to be, and surrounding yourself in His truth and guarding yourself in His truth, you will be led astray. And the question at that point is how bad is it gonna be? Who else is gonna go with you? Your spouse, your children, your grandchildren? Who's going to go with you when you're led astray? But the beautiful part of this is is it doesn't have to be that way. Because if you're in God's word, if you know his truth, you know his ways, you know his plan, you know his will, then you'll be able to stand guard and recognize a counterfeit. You'll be able to stand guard when something tries to lead you away from God's will. You'll be able to stand guard and tell that person, that thing, whatever it may be, Know and follow his purpose for your life. It's beautiful that you and I are not left to our own intuition. Amen, church? But we're left with God's word and we're left with his Holy Spirit. And that is a dynamic duo that will take you further than anything else in this life, in this world, ever could. Lastly, Paul says in Romans chapter 16, verses 20 through 27, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. Timothy, my co-worker, sends his greeting to you, and as do Lucius, Jason, Sosipater. powder, his mother must have hated him my fellow Jews. Here, Titus, who wrote down this letter, greet you in the Lord. Hit the pause button real quick. You might be saying, I thought this letter was from Paul. It is, but we understand from this is it's kind of like if Paul was speaking to his secretary who was writing everything down. Gaius, whose hospitality I and the whole church here enjoy. That is awesome. He must have ordered from Mission Barbecue sends you his greetings. Erastus, who is the city's director of public works, and our brother Quartus, send you their greetings. Now to him who is able to establish you in accordance with my gospel, the message I proclaim about Jesus Christ in keeping with the revelation of the mystery hidden for long ages past, but now revealed and made known through the prophetic writings by the command of the eternal God, so that all the Gentiles, those who are non-Jewish, might come to the obedience that comes from faith. To the only wise God be glory forever through Jesus Christ Amen. Paul knows how to end a letter. I'm just saying, this Christmas season, end your Christmas cards like that. Over the past few weeks, we've touched on the challenges of the Roman culture. We've touched a little bit on how depraved the Roman culture was this morning when discussing how Rome chose male babies and how disheartening that is. We've talked over the past couple weeks how Rome was monotheistic. They believed in many different gods, or excuse me, polytheistic, many different gods. We've talked about how Rome devalued humanity. We've talked about the immorality of Rome that just makes you sick to your stomach. And what are Paul's final words to a church that is living in this kind of demonic, depraved culture? Paul's final words, well, first off, Satan's going to be crushed. Satan's going to be crushed. May we wake up every day and remind ourselves that no matter what challenges come our way, no matter what tries to lead us astray, that ultimately, in the end, he's going to be crushed. Paul reminds the Christians in the Roman church and still reminding us here today that strength comes from Jesus Christ. How do I have strength to fight my sinful flesh and a sinful culture that is continually coming against me and trying to pull me in its ways? Paul says you'll find your strength in Jesus and the Holy Spirit will help supply it. Paul says, My gospel. Might be a little bit odd. Why is he referring it to his gospel? And what Paul simply means by this is that he, Paul, has consistently preached and presented throughout this letter to the Romans a biblical word. Nobody should accept any other version of the gospel of Jesus. If there's any variation of this gospel, church, it's a false gospel. And Paul begins his final paragraph by saying, now to him, and that kind of means in conclusion, and then he exalts God and explains all that God has done for us and through us. And then he ends it with this beautiful statement, the only wise God. You know that Paul is insinuating that all other gods are foolish. The only wise God be glory forever through Jesus Christ. And he says, Amen. Do you know that Amen means so be it? Would you stand with me this morning? Paul finishes his letter by proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul is full of faith, not fear. May it be so for us. May we strive for our lives as we close. May we strive for our lives as C3 church, as Christians here in 2022. May we strive for our lives to be marked by these things throughout Romans 16. Sharing the gospel of Jesus wherever we go. Building relationships. Plugging into the body of Christ. Because we recognize the body of Christ is not a spectator sport. Come on, somebody. Somebody protecting ourselves from false teachers, recognizing that there is such thing as evil and that evil desires to consume us, but we have a God who will crush evil. May we be full of faith, finding our strength in no one else and nothing else other than Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Would you bow with me? Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that someday upon your return that you would find C3 Church to be a pure and holy bride set apart for you. Lord, help us help us in 2022 when culture seems to be so anti-biblical help us to find our strength not in politics not in ourselves not in good vibes or good thoughts or anything else meaningless like that help us to find our strength and nothing else and none other than jesus christ our lord would you continue lord to help us protect watch over the unity that is represented here lord that we would keep away anything or anyone who tries to bring divisiveness into our lives into our relationship with jesus or plant any obstacles that make it difficult to serve you but god help us to run this race faithfully not full of fear but full of faith So that someday when we encounter you in heaven, when we stand face to face to God Almighty looking at your eyes, may the words that we hear be well done, good and faithful servant. Help us to live and lead our lives like that because we ultimately recognize that you're leading us. So help us to be obedient. Now, Lord, as we leave this place today, may we continue to walk in obedience according to the living word of God. Help us to be consumed by your Holy Spirit and your word so that we can recognize false teachers and false doctrine when it comes our way. But Lord, may we leave this place walking in victory, walking in faithfulness, and until we meet here again, may our lives represent you in everything that we do and everything that we say. In Jesus' precious and holy name, so be it. And everybody said, amen. Would you give God some praise if you believe he's going to do it? Amen, amen, amen. This has been an audio recording from Crossroads Community Church. If you'd like to get in contact with us or learn more about us, you can follow us on social media at C3Lehigh or email us at info at C3Lehigh.com. We'd love to hear from you.